You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Birdman. How did we end up here? This place is horrible. Smells like balls. We had it all. You were a movie star, remember? Who was this guy? He used to be Birdman. I like that poster. You wrote this adaptation? I did, yeah. And you're directing and starring in your adaptation. That's ambitious. Are you afraid people will say you're doing this play to battle the impression that you're a washed-up comic strip character? Absolutely not. That's why 20 years ago I said no to Birdman 4. Hold the mask off! You do hold the mask off! Now you're about to destroy what's left of your career. We should have done that reality show they offered us. Shut up. You know I'm right. You're so nice. Hey, what's up? Why don't you try to rest a little bit? Face it, Dad. You're doing this because you're scared to death, like the rest of us, that you don't matter. And you know what? You're right. You don't. Baby, can you understand me now? Sometimes I get a little mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? When things go wrong, I seem to go bad. Listen to me. I'm just a You are the original man. Let's make a comeback. That's what I'm talking about. You're a bird man. You are a god. Music. He's a Hollywood clown in a Lycra bird suit. Yes, he is. But he's going out on that stage and risking everything. It's about being respected and validated, remember? That's what you told me. That's how you got me into this shit. I got a chance to do something right. I gotta take it. Let's go back one more time and show them what we're capable of. There you go, you motherfucker. Alright everybody, you're just listening to the trailer for Birdman, and the story is as follows. Former cinema superhero Regan Thompson is mounting an ambitious Broadway production that he hopes will breathe new life into his stagnant career. It's risky, but he hopes that his creative gamble will prove that he's a real artist and not just some washed up movie star. As opening night approaches... A castmate is injured, forcing Riggin to hire an actor who is guaranteed to shake things up. Meanwhile, Riggin must deal with his girlfriend, daughter, and ex-wife. The film is starring Michael Keaton, Zach Galifianakis, Edward Norton, Andrea Riseborough, Amy Ryan, Emma Stone, and Naomi Watts. It is written and directed by Alejandro G. Iñárritu, co-written by Nicholas Giacobone. Alexander Dinlayaris Jr. and Armando Bow. Joining me for this 2014 retrospective podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Dan Baer. Smells like balls. <laughs> uh, we also have Josh Parr. Hello, hello. 
And joining us from the world of Patreon, two contributors to Next Best Picture. Thank you guys very, very much. From Gold Derby, we have Charlie Bright. Damn it, Dan, you stole my line. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you might recognize him on Twitter. Uh, We have JJ Woods. JJ, how are you doing? Listen to me. I'm trying to do something important. (laughs) Every time I think of Birdman now, I always think of our... uh, podcast intro for the main show where Zach Galifianakis is like, this is about being respected and validated. That's what you told me. (laughs) And I was expecting to hear Mark Ruffalo's uh, delivery next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're talking about the best picture winner now of 2014 Birdman. Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu's first Oscar win for best director. The comeback vehicle for Michael Keaton in 2014 Made his premiere at the Venice Film Festival, played at Telluride. It was already seen as an Oscar contender right off the bat. And also, too, shot in one shot, seemingly, by Oscar-winning cinematographer Emmanuel Lubeski, who had just won the previous year for Gravity. So needless to say, also, put this all together with a stacked cast of actors, a lot of big names in this. And you had a recipe for success in terms of awards. Uh, The film has gotten lots of praise. It's also got some critics out there as well. But for a film that deals with art and commerce and critics and the value of art, that is to be expected, is it not? So we're going to get into it here. Why don't we first start off actually with someone who I think she saw it for the first time for this, Nicole Hackman. Yeah, a running theme on these retrospectives. So I had a very interesting experience, I think, in that I went into watching this movie the other night knowing basically nothing about it. I'd never seen a trailer. I didn't know what it was about. So I went in probably as blind as anyone could in the year 2020. And I think not knowing what to expect from it made it a little bit hard to digest, maybe. Um I think there's a lot of good in this film. I also found it incredibly exhausting, and I had a handful of issues with it. So I'm looking forward to maybe getting some insight into why people like this movie so much. All right. Charlie Bright, first Patreon contributor we're going to hear from here. What do you think? Well, I'll never – I always trace my opinion of this movie back to when I first saw it. I remember seeing the trailer for it. And thinking, oh, this looks really, really good and really comical. But then I saw that it was from Inyaritu, and I'm like, this is probably going to be something that is that's going to make me want to throw myself off a roof. But <laughs> maybe I'll laugh once or twice on the way. Um, but then when I actually saw it, I will never forget being so surprised at how genuinely funny I thought this movie was. Uh, I. Uh, absolutely adored it. I, I I was not prepared for how much I, li- I would like this movie. So you're telling me that you jumped off the roof, but you found yourself flying through the streets of Manhattan while watching it. That's what you're basically telling me. No, some woman told me I was full of shit, so I just got off. Ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Um, but I, I I thought, you know, a Keaton blew me away with his performance. I thought the whole cast was fantastic. Norton, Naomi Watts, Emma Stone. Uh, Zach Galifianakis for me was a standout. I was, I thought he was so good at this movie and I was just, I was just, you know, completely transported by it. I absolutely love this movie. All right. All right. Dan Bear. Depending on the day, this is my first or second favorite film of 2014. 
Um, usually the second because pride is just that much of a fucking joy. But uh, this was one of those movies that when I first saw it in the theater, I was completely floored by it. I thought it was exhilarating. Um, it to me is one of it really combines the best of live theater and film in a way that is totally audacious and completely um, in line with the themes that the screenplay is exploring. And it just brought everything together in such a magical way. And I was so floored by it that I had to go back and see it a second time, like the next week and bringing friends because I needed to like, I needed to talk about people. I needed to talk about this movie with other people, um, particularly other uh, theater people, uh, because I thought it really gets so much of what it is like to be in the middle of a production. um, Very, very scarily. Right. Although obviously taken to extremes, Um, it still is, I think completely audacious in the best ways. Uh, It is, formally one of the strongest films of the past few years. Um, And this is, even though (laughs) um, you could argue that it um, rather strongly goes against its own conventions uh, several times, but I, having seen it multiple times now, uh, too many to count, I am fully prepared to argue that it actually doesn't, uh, but I could understand why people would think that. Uh, but anyway, I, I love this movie. <laughs> uh, before I get saying too much about it, I'll just say that. I love this movie. I was fully prepared to be its biggest defender on this podcast today because I usually am whenever this movie is brought up. Um, and I can't wait to talk about all the crazy shit of this movie with everybody. All right. Okay. JJ, what about you? You know, like Nicole, um, I now it was about six years ago. I actually went into this movie somewhat cold as well. Uh, the, the 2015 uh, Oscar season covering the 2014 year, I was really disconnected. So I had not seen a trailer. I didn't know much about the movie other than it was this heralded Michael Keaton comeback. Uh, And I actually bought it in February. I uh, sight unseen and watched it and I loved it. I thought it was this phenomenal movie and uh, it very quickly made its way into my top 10, my top 10 favorite movies of all time from the script to the acting, to the cinematography, uh, even the music. Um, I, I noticed that, it, it amongst the many Academy Awards it did receive nominations for, it didn't receive anything for score. But in my mind, when I think about 2014, uh, kind of that beatnik, jazzy drum vibe is the second most iconic sound from a movie after Boyhood's uh, kind of title track or, or main track. So I loved the movie. I, I love it in so many ways. Even all these years later and having seen it many times, I do think there are some themes that maybe went over my head and i'm really excited to potentially talk about some of those okay all right and last but not least josh parm okay um so back in 2014 when i first saw this movie my impression of it was i loved all of these performances i thought it was a great ensemble many of the crafts on display were pretty impressive but 
didn't really like the story being told. I kind of thought that the script was pretty subpar. And I liked it, but I didn't love it. And that was sort of my feeling walking out of it and how I felt back then. And because of that, I haven't ever really had a really great desire to return to it. So this was my first time watching it probably since 2014. It had been quite that long. And I feel like my sentiments on it are pretty much the same. Um, if maybe that the things that I didn't like about it are a little bit more crystallized for me, I do think that the performances in this movie are extraordinary. I think every member of this cast is delivering really great work. And I think that that is the main reason why I get any kind of enjoyment from it. I have a lot of issues with this story and in particular the screenplay. And I think a lot of that is things that are, there are things that are connected back to Inyari too, that are tendencies that he has as a filmmaker that I just tend to not be that into. And I think a lot of elements from the story and character perspectives just really don't make sense to me or they are very poorly developed and executed. And that takes a lot of enjoyment away from me. However, it does get saved a bit by the performances, but just kind of barely for me. So it is a movie that I do still like, but I do not love it. And it comes with a lot of reservations with me recommending it to people. So back when I saw this in 2014, it made my top 10, but I wasn't, how do I say? I wasn't prepared to say that it was like my number one favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time or anything like that. I, I was very, very taken by the performances uh, and the cinematography. And yes, also the screenplay, because I think that it's themes of art and commerce and what it was actually comment commenting on during uh, that era, especially 2014, right after the, well, the Dark Knight trilogy had wrapped up. The first Avengers film had uh, come out uh, by that point as well. The entire superhero genre really kind of started to just gain steam in a way that it was taking over the industry. And I just found it to be extremely vital at the time uh, what this movie was arguing for. And also, too bringing up some contradictions in the first place as well, uh, where it's like you might be fighting for art over commerce, but in the end, the two have to kind of just coexist. And that's what, you know, Hollywood has always been about is that push and pull uh, between those two. So I really, really liked the movie. On this rewatch, though, you know, I was thinking a lot about the imitation game and I was thinking a lot about how I was very taken in by that movie as well when I saw it in 2014, but had done kind of a really a 180 on it almost uh, when I went back to revisit it for our 2014 retrospective. And I realized its flaws and I realized that I didn't like it as much. And I have to admit, I actually liked Birdman more this time watching it in 2020, which surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> Fuck yes. I, I was genuinely surprised 
because I actually spoke with Nicole, what, an hour before I started watching it, Nicole, right? <laughs> yeah, sounds right. And I told her, I don't know what my reaction is going to be. I have no idea because it's like one of those things where, you know, I liked Imitation Game when I saw it in 2014, but <laughs> look how that turned out, you know? And since I hadn't revisited it since then, uh, you know, I had a feeling, you know what, there's a chance that something might happen here. And surprisingly for me, Birdman actually rose up in the ranks. And I think that a lot of that might have to do with just maybe, I, I mean, Dan, I'm, I'm trying to draw a connection here because I did four years of theater work mm-hmm. and I have always been so interested in awards and acclaim and critical responses to su- to things. And then also like, Realizing that that stuff doesn't really matter. It's really just about the work in general of an artist, but also too opening weekends, going viral, all these things that we do to measure success, right? And all these things coming together in this movie for me, I just find it to be so fascinating that it's trying to like ultimately boil down what the film industry is really all about in this era. And, you know, at some point, I think the movie will lose its relevance quite possibly because technologies will evolve, the industry will evolve, and things will change. But still now, six years removed from 2014, I still found Birdman to still be just as relevant. So what I want to do is I actually want to first start off uh, with a couple of different things here because there are a lot of ideas, there's a lot of thoughts to go around. I think what I would like to do is this because – I, I think it's no surprise, everyone, that Josh is not a big Alejandro Gonzalez and Yaritu fan. And I do kind of want to take a moment to ask him what it is about uh, him as a filmmaker, what sensibilities that you were referencing before that he does come back to with this movie that just doesn't work for you. Because as you can hear, there's a lot of people that really like this movie. So I just want to know what is the argument for the other side? For me, the thing that really that I really struggle with in terms of his movies is that I find that everything that he wants to talk about has to be very heavy and very serious. And it's like introspective and so um, philosophical and everything is so incredibly underlined. But I oftentimes feel like the subjects that he's exploring are rather shallow. So it's like I get that all that stuff is there that this movie is discussing, but I feel like it does so in a very kind of simplistic way. And it will underline things that I don't really feel like need underlining. And it makes it seem like that they mean more importance than I think that they actually do. And I certainly get much more of that in the Revenant. There's not as much of that in this movie, but I think that there's enough of it where there will be scenes with characters like basically flat out explaining what's happening. And it's like these moments would be so much more impactful if you left it more to mystery, if you wanted it to to pull back a little bit and let it exist in a more obscure place, but it doesn't. And I think that for a lot of times the movie feels like in doing so that it is actually being more introspective than it really is. And that is just something that I I feel like that's a tendency with Inyari too that I just don't respond to necessarily with him as a filmmaker. And I want to preface by saying really quickly before Dan, I'm sure, gives his retort. <laughs> Please. Josh, a thing is a thing 
not what is said of that thing. Dan, please. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> generally speaking, I have the same issues with Inyari 2 that Josh just laid out. However, um, I don't have them so much with this movie. And I think it's because, unlike literally every single other one of his movies, this one does... Well, mainly, this one is really fucking funny. Um, And that humor goes a long way towards making me forgive a lot of the more blunt um, aspects of the screenwriting and filmmaking in this movie. But more than that, what makes me forgive it is that this entire film, this, the, from the story that it's lying to the, every, all the dialogue in the screenplay to the way it's shot, it is all completely in Riggin Thompson's headspace. So everything that is going on is, 100% completely subjective, putting you in the mind of this man. And considering what's going on in that man's mind at the moment, and also like the fact that he may not, he, well, okay, he's not the uh, brightest bulb. Um, I, I'm also like willing to forgive a lot of that because it makes sense for this character and his mental state during the course of the story. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of the 2014 film Birdman here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the two and a half hour long full review, you will have to head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.